0: When she comes around that corner, she gets to, to scream it. And this ain't let me see your hands type of screaming. This is a horror movie scream. And that's not that's not what Tina does. That's not my Tina. At which point I see Norm, he's, he's shot, right? He's been shot in the face. He's dead. And at this point, I look down, I see that, and I look over and I see Craig Redden shooting at the door. There was a guy I was in the military with, and he was intense right? Just intense. I don't care what the job was. I don't care what the target was. It was getting done. It was going to get done. Period. There were days I hated the guy. Just hated him. And there are other days like, I can't believe we actually just did this. We literally moved a trailer. I uh, now say a trailer. A house trailer with about a hundred guys. We picked it up. Picked it up. And he figured out how we were going to do it. And we uh, literally picked it up with our hands. Then we did it because he said we could. And I'm like, well, okay. I want to be that guy. And then January 6th kind of told me why I need to be that guy. A line of duty funeral for one officer is all hands on deck, pull out all the stops and make this happen. And this is a national event. We have officers coming from across the world and it, this is gonna be huge. And we know this and we have to do it right. For myself personally, I you know, I knew two of the officers right after Zamoripa's funeral. He was the last one. I came back to the South Central. I went back there into the equipment room and I lost it for about five minutes. You know, and then you went home and you're like, hopefully we never have to do that again because yeah, you know, it was just emotional. an emotional, emotional, emotional week.
1: You're listening to the ATL Bridging The Divide Podcast brought to you by the Assistant Officer Foundation. and we can learn from those mistakes. And together we can bridge the divide. Welcome back ATO listeners. I wanna take a quick moment to talk about the Assistive Officer Foundation. ATO was created in 1999 to assist first responders and their families financially in times of sickness, injury, or death in the family. The ATO also provides confidential mental health sessions for police and fire. The ATO is a nonprofit, and if you want to donate to the ATO, go to atodallas.org, look us up, and donate to our cause. It would be greatly appreciated by our first responders. I want to give a special thanks to the Syndicate Ski and Cycle Shop in Colorado and the North Carolina SWAT team for their constant support and feedback. It's greatly appreciated. You guys be safe. Before I welcome on our next guest, I want to read a little excerpt. Motivation is the art of getting people to do what you want them to do because they want to do it. Dwight D. Eisenhower. Having actually worked for today's guest, I can attest to his leadership style. I've watched his career from afar, going from Southwest Patrol to the gang unit, to Southwest and South Central deployments, and also commanded the CRTs, then becoming a fish out of water in personnel and recruiting. He helped completely revamp this personnel unit, and by the way, packed an academy class and record recruit attendance in a time that's extremely difficult to recruit police. He is a motivator as a leader. He doesn't mind making the tough decisions. He's a former army vet, huge comic nerd like myself, husband to Holly and father to Jesse and Savannah, and a newly appointed deputy chief of police. It's my honor to welcome on Chief Jeremy Foy. Appreciate it, Joe, thanks.
0: That was impressive.
1: Yeah. I figured you would like that, especially hey, I, the comic nerd part. Yeah, the comic nerd part, part I'm glad you included. Yeah. All right, right. you ready to dive into this? Sure. All right, you're on the ATO stage. Born and raised in Louisiana, you were military police from 93 to 98. When did you decide you wanted to pursue a career in law enforcement, and why?
0: Well, I was 16 years old, and I was uh, bagging groceries at a grocery store, and we had an off-duty officer working out there, and he was – extremely overweight and extremely old but he didn't talk to nobody and one day i see him moving quickly across the store and there was a guy walking out the doors and he was stopping he was a shoplifter and when he tried to stop him the guy took off running when the guy took off running he made about three steps and he was done and i for whatever reason he started running i started running and uh, we were around the block and i don't know i I, I remember even thinking i don't know what i'm gonna do when i catch this guy and we went probably a half mile and then he uh (laughs) I got close to him, and I pushed him, and he fell down. I jumped on top of him, and I we laid there for a little bit, and finally the big, fat guy showed up and put him in handcuffs, and when I got done, I thought this was the coolest thing I've ever done. And I was 16, and after that, I'm like, I think I want to do this for a living, and here I am. So you made your first arrest as a 16-year-old? Uh, back in
1: groceries, yes. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, hey, it, was, right. it was fun. Well, these days, I'd probably fire you right after that. as, a, as a Working at a grocery store. Uh, you were in the Army, did you consider staying in the Army, uh, pursuing a career in that?
0: Oh, absolutely. Once I got in, I realized I liked that kind of stuff, the uniform uniform work, right? And the Army was one of those places you could work as hard or as little as you wanted. Um, a 12-hour day or a 16-hour day or an eight-hour day, you got paid the same either way. And uh, I liked the work. I just did. And it, it felt like you were – sometimes it was busy work. I mean, it was the Army. But you always had a goal. And whatever that goal might be, it might be something silly, but you it's like, okay, we're going to, you know, clean the vehicles today. It might've been done, but it was a goal. And that's what you did. And then we all worked as a team and, you know, there was a hierarchy and, you know, people told you what to do and you might not liked it, but you did it. Yeah.
1: Knowing you throughout your career, you like goals, you like structure and you like team settings. And we're going to get into some of those later, those teams you were on later on. And also just basically your structure that you like and what I believe that you going you know you run running the honor guard for all those years and then now uh, the way you lead and command units uh that's it, I, I believe it goes back to your time in the army why'd you pick dallas texas
0: do you have texas ties not a one um while i was in school and i getting close to graduation i knew i wanted to work for a bigger agency i just didn't know where or the feds I, w- I i was i was kind of open to anything and uh while I was going to school, I had applied to forty-seven different places, and I remember that number because I got told no forty-six times. Wow! Right, or didn't get the call back. And uh, Dallas had come to Louisiana, where I'm from, and did a recruiting fair, and then we tested at Grambling University, and they were moving quickly, and I needed a job, and here I am. I I, I wasn't opposed to it. I, I really had San Antonio in my in my sights, but they drugged their feet. Now they called me once I was in the academy, but Not I was already here. I was here now. What were some other major departments do you apply for? Um, I had done the U.S. Marshals, the Border Patrol, the ATF, and they. I never continued the process because they're, they're very slow. Yeah. It, it takes their time. Um, I applied in San Antonio. Um, Houston was on the next list, and if you name a department in North Louisiana, I applied at some point. Right? Really? Yeah, I just looking for a job.
1: Did you go any West Coast or any kind of North No, Louisiana? I didn't go
0: that far out yet. I hadn't I, I got – in my mind, that desperate yet, yeah, right. It was getting to that point though, right? So I, I mean, I wanted a job in a big city. So here you are. Yep. I think it worked out.
1: Uh, you got married in two thousand one, and you started dpd What your, what was your impressions of our academy?
0: I'd been out of the military for a couple of years at this point, and in my mind, I was I was going back to military boot camp, I thought, or basic training. And when I got here, I realized that's not what the police department's about, which was fine. Um, You know, all the military vets in the class are going, why can't these people understand just stand to the right of the hallway? And then all the people that weren't in the military going, why do we have to stand to the right of the hallway? You know, just silly stuff like that. But it was paramilitary. You know, we did have to do push-ups occasionally, you know, and stuff like that. And um, it wasn't hard at the time, but it wasn't the the physical portion wasn't hard the the tactical portion wasn't hard i kind of been through training very similar to that now the academics i was surprised that the academics were were going to be as tough as they were um and i say tough that it was as in depth as it was that was too you know but it it, it's necessary so of course
1: so you graduate you uh you get out to southwest um you mentioned in your bio giving a little peek behind the curtain to uh, some listeners. I send out bios. People just get some bullet points on uh, some of these guests. In 2002, a guy shot at your head. Can you describe that incident?
0: (laughs) So I had uh, been at Southwest at that point for, I don't know, about seven months, I guess, six or seven months. I had just got done with field training, and I'm on what we call little T here where you ride with a senior partner. And I am riding with uh, currently Sergeant Amy Smith, she is one class ahead of me, so she's two months ahead of me, so that's, that's the seniority portion of our partnership, right? So neither one of us really know what we're doing at this point, and we're over at one of the state streets in South Oak Cliff. I don't remember which one, but we're taking a kidnapping report, and it's a non-custodial father's taking the kid or whatnot, and that's it, 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 we're doing the paperwork, and I sent a bolo out um, to Channel 3, or Southeast and Southwest, because we're close to the border, and we're typing – we're sitting up in front of the house typing the report when a shooting call comes in over at uh, 1300 East Waco. So I look over at Amy, and I'm, I'm still not real familiar with the division, and I'm still learning this job. Um, and uh, I asked Amy, I was like, aren't we close to that? And she's like, I, know, I think so. So we're flipping through the maps go. That's before we had the GPS maps and go. stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and we take off, and she's driving, and I mean – Amy is doing 100 miles an hour to this location, right? It's it's good time. Um and when we get there, uh Kurt Hibbets is the first one on the scene. Now, I don't know at this time I don't know Kurt at all. But he was one of the the heavy hitters of Southwest at the time and you know, when you come on, you you, you learn who the heavy hitters of your division are cuz they're always getting into something. There's always calling for help or and I say calling for help. They're calling for an assist cuz they're in a car chase or they're running after somebody and well I was on field training you know you'd listen to the radio and you're the guys you're riding with aren't those guys right? because yeah. they're teaching you and you know you got you got to go a much slower pace but when he get <laughs> when we get there he's already at the scene and we've got a man and a woman both the, been shot they're on the curb One, not fatal one's in the stomach one's in the arm I believe and he looks at us and he's like y'all get he's inside the house y'all get the back so me and Amy jump around back you know, we're good little rookies you know we're doing what we're told. Mm-hmm. Well, the other heavy hitters of the division finally show up, and they decide—and and, I mean, right or wrong—they decide they're going to go in the house and get this guy. And all the rookies at the scene are in the back, and we're in the back. There's a detached garage from the house, and that's—it's—it's it's vacant. it's, it's falling down. It's like old barn, basically. But um, there's no doors on it, and we're all in the garage looking at the back door. Got our little guns out, holding them, thinking we're cool guys, mm-hmm. right? Well, all the guys go inside to go get this dude and i mean we're all waiting for something to happen and then a few minutes later they come walking out the back and they're all holstering up their their pistol and well he's not inside obviously so the assumption is he went to the front out the back and he is halfway to oklahoma by now i mean who knows yeah. right I mean, we've been out there for probably 15 minutes if not longer at this point well everybody starts going to get in their car and time to leave and i start walking through this garage and i look over there's a car in the middle of the garage it's old it's covered in dust and right in the middle of the car there's a big smudge it's clean and i guess i should be a cop it took me a minute i go well that's not right
2: mm-hmm.
0: and i'm looking and i look up in the rafters and about six feet away there's a guy in the rafters looking at me all right and i'm like well crap i mean we've been standing under this guy for 15 minutes right and at which point i've do the whole matrix let's get out of the way move you know uh-huh. and i start hollering all right I and mean, everybody's guns up we're going home all right and guns coming back out you know the whole nine yards and uh i guess i'm not being very clear or people aren't understanding what i'm saying or why i'm screaming all right maybe i'm just thinking the stupid rookie's lost his mind you if saw it's called... a spider or uh, something yeah like yeah they don't they don't get it so i've come out of the garage i've got my gun out i'm pointing it at the ceiling i can't see him at this point and uh Uh, senior corporal Abel Lopez, he's on the streets at the time. He's on the other side of this garage and he sees me and he comes starts walking toward me through the garage. He's on the other side. Well, knowing now, because I've talked to him later about this, he didn't know what I was yelling about. So he was coming to see, why is, you know, did I, did I see that spider? You know, he's gonna come, you know, come save me. And I'm thinking when he's walking toward me, oh, we're going to get this guy. Oh, right. It's like, well, he's coming in. I guess I, he can't go in by himself. So I gotta go in with him. Well, as soon as I poke my little head around that corner, that's when the flash happens and the the bang happens, and uh, he he's then fired around at me, right? And he is very very close to me, and I don't know how he missed. I really don't, right? And now everybody knows what I was yelling about, and now you see cops running everywhere, right? We're all everybody's gar- you know grabbing a piece of cover and trying to figure out what's going on. And uh, Chad Smith, he's not with the department anymore, but he was out there. Um, he makes a great shot. He shoots through a. He shoots through the ceiling and, the, and he can see through the ceiling where the guy's at, right? And it's it's a small hole and he makes a great shot, hits the guy in the leg, right? Pulls him out of the and basically it, the, the force makes him come on down and he falls out of the ceiling and he lands on the ground and you know we, we all swarm him and put him in handcuffs and everything else, right? Well, you know my adrenaline's like through the roof. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, you're a rookie. You're I, yeah, there. no one knows who I'm. They know I'm Tony Wisecosk rookie. They don't know yeah. any, they don't know my name. I mean nothing, right? And I'm standing there, and and, you know, well, now Chad's been in the shooting. And knowing now that's an officer involved shooting, it's all about Chad at this point. Right. Right. I mean, okay, we got to quarantine him. We got to do what's best for him. We got to protect the scene, all that. And I don't know any better. I'm just, I'm just standing around waiting for someone to tell me what to do, (laughs) you know? Well, about that time, Southeast gets in chase with our kidnapping suspects that we had put the bolo out in right before this happened, right? And me and Amy are sitting there looking at each other. And I'm like, That's, is that that Cadillac we we put that bullet out And she's like, I, I think so. Because now they're asking if we've done a report. <laughs> yeah. And they're over near the border, right, of, of, of between southwest and southeast. Right. Well, I tell Amy, let's go. So we go, and we become number three in this chase, right? Now, I've, I've literally just left this scene at Waco where I'm – basically got shot at got shot at and peed on myself a little bit yeah. right you know and we get in this little car chase and it it, it yeah. ends peacefully or whatnot and one of my classmates is there and he sees me and you know he, you know doing he's like what's wrong with you and i'm like i just had a bad my pants are wet uh, yeah yeah bad situation right <laughs> um I, I don't know if i can go to the bathroom ever again right, <laughs> right. <laughs> and he he uh He's like, Oh, well, why are you here? And I'm like, Well, y'all got in chase with our vehicle. I we had to come. That's ain't that he's like, that's, ain't that how this works? And about that time, uh Sergeant Steve Bishop gets on the radio. And he's like, Is there a fox or a Ford or somebody working on Some somebody? Yeah. And I'm like, uh, boy, that's me. He's like, You need to come back over here. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So we get back over there and uh you know, then they take my statement and all that. And then that's it. Back on the street we go, right? And I go home that night, and I have woke my wife up just a handful of times since I've been a cop, all right? This was the first one. And I probably got home at midnight, 1 o'clock, whatever it was. And I woke her up. I'm like, hey, um, wake up. She's like, what is it? I was like, I need to talk to somebody. Something's going on here. I, and she's like, what do you mean? I was like, I can't do this every day. Yeah. I, if this is how this is going to be every single day, I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle this and i tell her the story and everything and she's like well do you need to talk to somebody I'm, like, I'm talking to you right right yeah nobody no i don't need to talk to anybody else you know no i'm not gonna to tell nobody about this so and that was the extent of it like nothing else ever was asked and i get it right we're having an officer involved shooting it's concerned about chad <laughs> chad you know and, and he was completely justified in it right and uh the little rookie had been forgotten about, right? Or That actually got shot at. Yeah, and, and, you know, I mean, did he hit me? No, right? And have I been shot at since? Yes, but it was different then, right? This one, I was still so new, so green, right?
1: Yeah, you weren't in the academy with your classmates with gun molds. Right. Saying pow and, you know, and... And jacking off, you know, with your classmates. It was, this is real. A real bullet went by your head.
0: Yeah. And when I read the guy's statement, he said, he's like, he aimed at our head because he knew we had body armor on. Right. So, you know, I guess I'm glad he did uh, at my head because I mean, if he aimed for the body, I mean, who knows what he would have done. Bigger target. Right. But uh, yeah, bad situation for myself. And, but it also made you go, you know what? You don't need to get that tunnel vision either. Right. Because I mean, we're thinking, oh, Hibbets told me to watch the back. I'm going to watch the back. You know, he's the hard charger. He knows what's going on. I'm going to right. watch it. I, maybe I need to look around a little bit, right? And um, I don't know. I, I, it took years later. Years later. I mean, years went by. A couple of years went by before I got shot at again. And when that happened, it was a little different. I've been on the street. I had a little seasoning behind me then. And it, it, you know, didn't bother me mentally as much, right? But honestly, for a couple of years, anytime we do a building search, right, Flashes across your mind. Yeah, you're always thinking about it, and you're like, "Why am I? Why is my armpit sweating all of a sudden?" Yeah, you know. But that's 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 that one.
1: Well, no, these you know rookies, we have rookies in the academy right now. They could be out there on day one and being an officer involved shooting or a car chase or, or or get shot themselves. Absolutely. And being that young and fresh out of the academy of spending the eight plus months with your classmates. Acting as suspects or other officers acting as suspects, you still in the back of your mind know it's training. But when you get out there on the streets, it's real. These people, these people like that, are trying to kill you if they have to. And okay. the guy that ran out was he that? So that was he was somebody else that wasn't even involved with the kidnapping.
0: Yeah, the kidnapping was completely unrelated to the shooting. Right. So uh, you know, and I just say the kidnapping portion just because we we didn't do a good job that day of helping. And it was me, but helping the rookie, right? You know, it's like, why are you letting a rookie that just got shot at go get in a car chase? Somebody yeah. needs, and it wasn't, it was no, it was, it was an afterthought. I don't blame anybody for it, right? I, I, I really don't. Um, it's one of those things that we just got to do better, right? I mean, w- they were focused on something else that day and th- as they should have been, right? Right. But uh, we just got to remember that everybody handles things a little differently, you know, and I, and I try to take that with me. I don't, I, you know, with other, when I'm dealing with, Especially a young officer, really any officer, but especially a young officer, because you're like this—they're not used to this yet. You know, this is, this job is this job's rugged. Things happen. You know. No, I re- I
1: remember you as I mean it's 20 years later. Uh, I had almost 20 years on. I was working for you, and you kept there's something that happened. You kept checking up on me, and I remember thinking, hey, what the hell is he talking about here? You know, I'm 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 good, but I noticed that you were checking up on me on something that happened just to make sure I was okay. I don't know if you remember that. A few, quite a few times mm-hmm. house over there on cardinal anyway okay. um what type of work did you gravitate to southwest
0: gravitate to um i liked it all honestly it just kind of depends on when i was brand new you know i was probably doing calls like everyone else because i didn't know how to do anything else and then you know you, you transition to you start messing with some of the drug users, right? You know, getting the rock droppers or whatnot. Then you, then you want the dealers. Now you want the dealers, right? Yeah. And And then that steps up your game. And then you start, you know, you start doing, um, figuring out gang stuff. And I say gang stuff because, well, I mean, I'm from nowhere, Louisiana. I didn't grow up in Oak Cliff. And all of a sudden, you got all these gangs and these groups, and you feel like you're on TV and yeah. stuff like that. So I thought the gang aspect was cool. Um, and, I, I mean... <laughs> It didn't matter to me, Joe. It really didn't. I mean, I, I wanted to go to jail once a day. That was my goal. Once a day. Whatever we we're going to go what are we're going to go far. But we're going to, if I can't find somebody in the streets of Oak Cliff, take to jail for, for breaking the law, I probably was being lazy. Right. Yeah. So uh,
1: you mentioned the gang unit. Um, describe how you became the liaison to the gang unit. Uh, and basically, that springboarded you to become a member of the gang unit.
0: Um, well, back then, they had what we called red beats. This is before tags and everything. And, uh, The first week they unrolled or unveiled red beats, my beat was triple four. It was Keystone Lancaster at the VA hospital area, and that was one of my that was that was it. So I had the first red beat in Southwest, and they go, they put me and my partner on special assignment that day, or that week, and it was uh, at the time Lieutenant Christina Smith said, "Y'all on a special assignment all week. Just go, put people in jail, do something, be visible out there." Oh yes, ma'am. So we did and uh we did it pretty good for that week right i mean it was a couple times a day we're going to jail and all in that same area and the next week that beat wasn't a red beat right so uh, turned it purple <laughs> yeah turned it yeah. a little bit now you know it was going to go back but yeah it right. was what it was. um well we had two gang liaison officers um at southwest at the time hector uh, roa and john puente and both of them had uh uh went to the gang unit officially and they were the gang liaison officers. Well, she decided she, she that was a need that she wanted to fill, so she asked me and my partner if we wanted to do it. Who was your partner? Uh, a guy named Corey Adams. He's over in okay. South Central yep. now. And uh, I'm like, well, sure. I mean, what do I know about gangs? I'm like I said, a country boy from nowhere, Louisiana, and you want me to work gangs? Sure, why not? But I, we rode with Hector and John for a couple weeks. They kind of showed us what we we're supposed to do, right? And then they turned us loose and. I mean that was a that was a train wreck for the first couple months as we're trying to figure it out and what we're supposed to be doing because gang unit job is not about always arresting them; it's about talking to them, right? And learning how to talk to them and being yourself at the same time is was hard, but it was I don't I can say rewarding, but it was definitely a skill I didn't have, and when I left, I, it's a skill I did have, you know, because you'll hear our officers talking to people and they'll they'll try to act like they're somebody they're not, right? So there's no reason for me, I mean, there's no reason for me to try to, try to act like that I am a Hispanic kid from Oak Cliff. There's, obviously I'm not. So Obviously. <laughs> obviously, yeah. right? Um, so there's no reason for me to try to pretend that I am and try to relate to them in that type of aspect. But I can relate to them as a as a, as a person, right? And reason with them, using common sense and we we got more in common than we got in differences, right? And getting to that point because it's not a crime to be a gang member, but to get a gang member to tell you they're a gang member, right? That's it's almost like playing the game I win, which kind of my philosophy when we when we're talking about the streets, right? right. I win. You I'm asking you questions and you need to tell me, and it's like well, maybe I don't have to, maybe I do, and well, I, I bet I bet we can figure this out, and you know, and you might spend 20 minutes getting a gang a gang guy to admit something, but. I don't know. Rewarding.
1: Well, it's like a street interview, like for like a detective would. Uh, you're you're getting rapport and hope that hope that it builds on something. And at the very least, you're gathering intel on that person. Mm-hmm. You were involved in an incident in 2006. You stopped a future murder suicide. Can you describe that?
0: Oh. um, yeah, uh, I was at Zang and Davis Street, and a robbery comes out, and it's at uh, Zang and Llewellyn. I'm sorry, Davis and Llewellyn. So I was at Davis and Zang, and it happened at Davis and Llewellyn, which is about four blocks away. It's not very far, and it was a black Toyota truck involved, and it said they was robbing the business. And I- normally that's a lights and sirens code three type of call, but I'm literally four blocks away. I'm like, there's no point turning my stuff right. on. I'm right here, so I will beat feet down there, and when I get to the parking lot, it's a little bodega. Um, you know sell cigarettes and you know drinks that's about it and there's a there's the black truck in the front and there's this older lady standing in front of the doorway and she's just looking in right just nonchalantly looking in the business and i'm like this is some type of deal this ain't real so i get on the radio and i tell the dispatcher hey this is you know the truck's here i was like but it's, it's not it's, it's not gonna be nothing to it and the dispatcher a guy named Mike Freeman at the time. He's like, Foy, wait on your cover. And I'm like, 10 And I sit there, and I'm like, I ain't waiting on my cover. I got this. And it's right there at detail time. Like, I think I came in at 3 o'clock, so the 4 o'clock detail is still, they're still having detail in the detail room. So we only got about half the cops on the street at this point. And uh, I walk up to the door, and the little old lady's still standing there. And I look at her, and she looks at me, and she just kind of shrugs her shoulders and walks off. And I was like, oh, well, this ain't nothing to it. So I poke my head around the corner, all right? And when I do, there's a guy with a rifle pointing it at something. And I have one of those Freudian slips, I guess, right? I go, fuck. Yeah. And I, I pull my gun up, all right? And at which point, he starts to swing it around at me, all right? And I, you know, human reaction, I move my head, right? At which point, the the gun goes off. His gun goes off, right. And, you know, of course, now you're checking yourself for holes real quick. You're like, what just happened? Again, your yeah, head yeah. is shot yeah, You know, like, what just happened here? This, this was a deal. This wasn't real. And then you get on the radio and you're like, I, I need help now. Yeah. Give me some people. You know? Now you want your cover. Oh, yeah. I want them all, yeah, right? Everybody. I want them all, you know. Send, I don't care what cops you send. Send them from New York. It doesn't matter. Just yeah, get me get help, here. right? Well, we're sitting there and in the, in the, all the guys and girls show up and help me out. And uh, Sergeant Jack Means shows up, and he tells, what happened? And I just kind of tell him, he's like, what do you think happened? I was like, I don't know if he killed himself or he's shooting at me, but I've been yelling at him through this door, right? And I've heard nothing. He's like, well, you want to call SWAT? I'm like, I don't know, Sarge. I mean, whatever you want to do. And he's like, if you're given the choice, do we call SWAT or do we go in? And I'm like, well, Sarge, um, well... So, in Cup World, you know, it's like you got your boys around, you're looking at you, and you're like, well, let's go in. Yeah. Right. And I'm thinking in my head, of all things that I want to do in my life, going in that door right now is not anywhere in the top 1,000 things I want to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I do not want to do this, but I'm like, all right, well, the guys are looking, and we got to, we're going to do this. Right. And we walk up to that door, and uh, I'm like, well, my deal. I guess I'm going first. Right. And Jack puts his hand on my shoulder, and he's like, if we're going to get shot, I'm going to get shot first. I'm going first. And I'm like,
2: okay. Yeah,
0: if you must. <laughs> yeah, whatever you want, Sarge. And we go in there, and he's done shot himself, right? So we'll come to find out as we're sitting there processing the scene, right? Um, I mean, he's dead. And I mean, there's, no, there's nobody else in this business. Mm-hmm. Well, he had showed up, and his girlfriend worked there, and they had a kid. And he comes in with a rifle, and he tells her, go get the kid. So she leaves, and he comes in with the rifle, mind you. I just want to make sure I'm real clear on that, right? Right. She goes and gets the kid and comes back to the business. Reasonable. Yeah, yeah. See, didn't didn't call the cops, didn't say, hey, my husband just walked in with a rifle. No, no, she came back as we're out there now processing this thing and tells us all this, right? And he had a truckload of ammunition. I mean, like hundreds of rounds in in that black Toyota that he had. So, I mean, I don't know because he's he obviously um, left a piece of him in that in that bodega, so we'll never know what the right. true intention was. But I don't know if he uh, was going to kill them and then kill himself, or if his intention was to kill himself in front of them. I'll never know. All right, and she didn't know. But uh, wait on your cover, guys. Always, yeah. Little, you know, wait on your cover.
1: Well, him showing up with that much ammo. Yeah, you, you don't need that much ammo to no. kill yourself and kill a. No, I don't know. why. I a it. Yeah, a who, kid.
0: Knows, who knows what he's going to do. Damn.
1: Were you, were you part of the gang unit by then? No. I okay. still in Southwest okay. at that point. All right. I'm going to get into the gang unit. Um, uh, Darren Loera was on an earlier episode, and he discussed from his perspective what the gang unit was to the department, how it was looked at by other officers that were on the outside looking in. I know how, how I looked at the gang unit at that time, the very prestigious uh, they were the go-to unit uh, by really all the robbery, assaults, homicide. They went to you guys for a lot of their want. That was before we had fugitive unit. They went to you guys for a lot of their wanted people. Can you describe that uh, f- from your perspective? Can you describe what the gang unit was at that time when you got over to it?
0: The gang unit at that point, in my mind, was the best unit on the police department right now. I agree I, I'm, I'm biased I mean I was there So I, mean, I I know that They always showed up They're always out there They got to wear the Cool little BDUs That said gang unit On the back And I don't know To My impression Looking From the outside Looking in Is they walked Between the raindrops Right They they did what They needed to do They were always Chasing bad guys You know And one thing About the gang unit Everybody you go after Is a true bad guy Right They're gang members Right well it's not a crime to be a gang member. There are gang members and to be a gang member you gotta do bad things, right? Right. right? It's not somebody that made a mistake and or had an emotional moment. These are bad guys, right? <laughs> they chose to be bad guys yeah, for yeah. a reason. And there I mean there's a whole unit dedicated to them, right? It's like I want to do this, right? And of course you watch, you know, the T V and you know, you know, colors and all that yeah. silly stuff, right? And you're like, Oh, that's what I want to do, right? So, uh, opportunity came and I'd been doing the gang leads on at Southwest for a couple years. I put my name in and I got to go. And that's where the gang unit as an officer was the funnest part of my career, except for a bad day, which we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. But mm-hmm. um, and I say I say bad day, the really bad day and a really bad time for a few months there. Yeah, years actually. Yeah,
1: yeah. While you were at the gang unit, what, what were your what was your favorite thing to do while you were there, other than just throw bad guys in jail? What did you like to do, and and how did you sharpen your knives over there and and growing as an officer?
0: Yeah, my favorite thing to do over there. Is- probably talking shit just like now but right um when i got there i had a certain skill set like i i had taken my ability to put people in jail for obscure reasons right and i say obscure reasons like you know um things that you didn't think of normal normal basis you know resisting search not resisting arrest but resisting search i mean just can we do this today let's see if we can do this today yeah. right let's make it fit yeah and uh i'd gotten to a level where okay i'm comfortable with this and i'd gotten fairly comfortable with the uh, Search and seizure when it came to, you know, cars and, and, and houses, right? But going to the gang unit, we're, we're dealing with a lot of rest warrants at this point, which the rules are a little different now, and um, kind of got to step up your game, right? So the the game then became, uh, I'm still going to jail every day, and it's like, how many game cards can I get? How many people can I get them to tell me something that they're not normally going to tell me? Goals. Yeah. 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 I, 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 as you know, Joe, I'm very, uh, I'm, I'm goal-driven, or target-driven, however you want to call it, right? So, and then I got to start working with a great group of people, right? Now, did we always fight and get along? Or get along? No, we fought quite a bit, right, internally, you know. But uh, families fight, right? Right. And I met some, you know, I met Darian, I met Tina, and those, I mean, plenty of others. But me, Terry, and Tina, we were kind of three musketeers. We really, uh, we kind of gravitate toward one another, and, you know, it, we didn't ride three men. But we, if they were, were going to get into something, I was probably around the corner. If I was going to get into something, they were probably not too far away. Right. You know, and uh, we had a a good group of guys and uh, girls over there at that point in time. Just phenomenal. You talked about one of the darkest days in
1: DPD. It happened on January 6, 2009. You want to get into that and talk about that incident?
0: So November uh, 2008. I'm going to go back a little bit before that, okay? Okay. Um, November 2008, Norm Smith, he's always chasing a warrant he's always going to chase a warrant I mean he, he would always have 10 guys he's looking for all 10 of these guys and we did this every day all right so Norm would go you know hey I got this guy we're looking for him we're going to go to this place and we're going to arrest him or you know this is the plan or whatnot this was almost a daily event well this day is November of 08 it's cold and it's rainy and we go out to 4950 Wadsworth and he's looking for some guy all right, and I say some guy because it didn't matter what he was what we were looking for. Norm said this guy's wanted. We're going to go do what we do and put him in, you know, put him in jail. Well, the plan was the gang unit was going to surround this apartment complex, and he's hanging out in the court in the courtyard, according to person Norm was talking to. Me and Darian were going to exit our cars. We were going to go into the courtyard and flush him out to one of the people on the perimeter because we were expecting him to run. And that was the plan so when we got there um at that point i wasn't familiar with the complex and um i just knew we're going to courtyard and we're going to run and darian was the uh long distance runner and i was still is yeah yeah and i was the short distance runner right and if if i didn't get you in 100 yards i was done but hopefully darian pick you up after that right well when we hit the courtyard we're looking i mean we're, we're going through we don't see nothing well, come to find out, that complex has two courtyards, and he's in the other one, and we didn't know that. Well, now he's seen all the cars surround that first one, and the game is now afoot. So we transition to the second courtyard, and Oak Cliff Olympics begin. Yeah, right? we're up the stairs, down the stairs, around the bend, you know, doing all this stuff, and I'm getting tired. I mean, I, Darian's doing Darian's doing good. I gotta give I gotta give lower credit on this one. He's up the stairs, he's going, he's after the guy, and I'm like, oh crap. And the guy hits, he's coming down. Now Darian's getting tired, and I've recharged a little bit. So here I come again, right? Tina had moved her car around the other side, and she everybody's getting out now. This guy had jumped on the hood of this car and hit the fence, right? I mean, put a footprint right on the top of her car, right? And there I am. I mean, I am literally 10 feet behind this guy when he hits that fence. And he's over it, and, like, he's going over the fence, and I'm jumping up, and I'm, like, tagging his foot, right? I'm like, oh, and now I got to get over this fence, and we get in the fence, and it's rainy, it's cold, and around that complex is a bunch of woods. Yeah, so we're out there, and uh, we look around for a little while, and it's, we never find him. I get done, I'm cold, I'm wet, and I'm mad. All right, all right. So that's that situation. Okay. okay. Fast forward uh, about a month, my wife has our son, mm-hmm. and I go. I don't feel medical leave for. Planned on going out for at least a couple months. Well, after three weeks, I realize that there is nothing I can do at the house. My baby doesn't want me in the middle of the night, right? He wants my wife, right? Um, because you know, Dad don't have the. Um, the uh, the breakfast, I guess, right? right, right. You
1: didn't have the right equipment. Yeah, no.
0: And I tried, right. right. I'm like, hey, I mean, you get up, and you're like, well, I want her to get some sleep tonight, and I'll rock him and all this, and it's just not working, right. And so I'm like, this is, I'm just wasting time. This, is I'm not I'm I'm not, I'm, I'm making myself frustrated. So we talked, and I was like, I'm gonna go back to work. And she's like, okay. So I went to back to work early, right. So now January 6th was my second day back, and we're gonna run warrants. And when I say run warrants, our warrants are a lot different than what SWAT talks about. SWAT's gonna, you know, have a good plan, and they're gonna, you know, really walk through it, and then it's gonna be very deliberate.
1: Yours is <clears throat>
0: draw a play in the sand and just do it. Yeah, yeah. And we're gonna do four or five, ten of them a day, right? And at that time, now I'm no way to know that is that the smart way to do it. No, it wasn't. But that's what we did at the time, right? So, at six in the morning, we meet up, and we go over to Pleasant Grove for some warrant, someone in Norm's warrants, and he's like, I was here yesterday. If that car's in the driveway, this guy is here. Now, I I don't know what this guy was about, but this is unrelated. Um, And I'm like, okay. And he's like, Jeremy, you go to the back. I'm going to knock on the front door. If I don't get an answer, I'm going to call you on the radio, and I want you to open the back door. All right. All right. I'm like, okay, Norm. That's what you want. So... They're knocking on the front, and it's, I mean, you know, there's a lot of us out there. And uh, as he's knocking, uh, he gets on the radio, Jeremy, Jeremy, do your thing. So I start opening up the back door. About that time, this little old lady opens the back door. And uh, we, you know, we rush the house. We're looking for him. He's not there. All right. And we leave, and I'm giving Norm all sorts of crap. I was like, he done made me scare this old woman half to death, right? There's no reason for this, Norm. You said he was there, and I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm. I'm picking at the scab, right? Right. Right, I really am. Well, everything in the gang unit those days was a steak dinner, right? Mm -hmm. So, we're going to make a bet. It's for a steak dinner, right? So, we make a bet that he can't have that guy in custody by the end of the day, right? No shit. By lunchtime, Norm had that guy in custody, Right. That's, so you had the state. You had a. Bunch. I owe okay. Norma. I still to this day I owe Norm a state. Guard, right. Right. He has this guy in custody. That's what kind of cop he was. Right. Yeah. I mean. I mean, and if you've ever chased warrants, um, you're looking for somebody that don't want to be found. They're not. It's not easy. Right. You, no. It's you, not. You got to call on every snitch. You know. You got to look at some. You know. You got to do some computer stuff. And, and Norm wasn't doing computer stuff. I tell you that right now. But he had that guy in custody by noon, and of course. He wins, right? He totally won, right? So the whole day is gone. I mean, everybody's you know. We, normally, we would run together up until lunchtime or whatever time we were running, and then after that, we'd all split off to our respective divisions, which mine was Southwest at the time, and Norm's was Southeast. All right. So the day is over. It's five forty-five at night. All right. We've been at work almost twelve hours at this point. Everybody's in the gang office, and uh, Norm. I hear Norm walking through the gang office. And I could hear him asking people to come with him to run some warrant.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And what we called our section of the gang office was the trailer park, because it's the gang office, and this was where the the four the four white guys were at. Yeah, right. And right? You lead the charge? No, nah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. well, maybe. <laughs> um, and I hear him going, and I hear people saying, "No, Norm, we've been here since six this morning. No, not today, man. Not today. Not today." And he goes to the next person, and same thing. And I hear him come, and I'm like. Oh, i don't want to do this today i'm tired and he gets over to me and he's like jeremy 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 all right he would always say my name like multiple times when he wanted something right he's like come on i got this guy he's wanting for this i'm like norm i don't want to man i'm going to house he's like come on man you remember back a couple months ago this was the guy that ran from us over on you know that apartment complex i'm like what are you talking about people run from us all the time i don't know what you're talking about he goes you know the one that jumped on top of tina's car Oh, like wait a minute! That guy? Oh hell yeah! Let's go get him! And I stand up and I guilt five other people in the gang unit. Right? Let's go, guys! No, no, come on, we're going. Yeah, we're going. I want to see the sequel. Now, screw that guy, right? I mean, he, he. No, I got wet. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Let, let, let's go do this.
1: Bad guy won that day.
0: Yeah, and yep. I'm like, let's go, and I guilt more people into coming with us that night all right well four in a supervisor um and i I'm, I'm saying these for a few reasons because i'm leading up to something when it when i it's a series of events where i had a lot of problems with this afterwards after the fact right, right. all right so we all load up and we're heading to, to wadsworth and uh i had uh, called my wife on the way and said hey uh, i'm gonna be a few minutes late but this ain't gonna take long because Norm had already agreed, hey, we get him in custody. He's going to take him to jail, blah, blah, blah. It's like, this won't take too long, and then I'll be heading to the house. She's like, okay. Well, we're going down 45, and we're about to exit Loop 12, our lead And Norm calls me, and he goes, okay, hey, Jeremy, you go to the back, and I'm going to go to the front. You take uh, Tina and John, and I'm going to take Mario Craig to, to the front. I'm like, okay. And Rolo. Rolo was there. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Well, when we get there... We park down the way of the apartment complex, and we start uh, sliding down. We don't want everybody to see us, so we're kind of sliding down the side of the building. And the apartment that Norm had thought he was in, that wasn't – I don't remember the door number, but it wasn't where it said it was. When I come around the corner, the door is right in front of me, right? And I'm like, well, shit, I'm right here at the door. And I look over at Norm. He's coming down the other side, on the other side of the building, and I see him, and I just make a hand motion. I'm like, hey, it's right here i was like i'll do it and he he waves me off and points to the back I'm like, okay now that's not how we operated back then normally um when we were going after a bad guy all right, me or darian would go to the front all right, and we would take we would take the door all right and we'd go inside we'd throw everybody around put everybody in handcuffs do all the cool guy cop stuff, right? And then Norm would come in and smooth it all over, get the guy he wanted or get the information he needed or whatever the case may be, right? Right. But for whatever reason that day, Norm's blowing me off telling me to go to the back, all right? And Darian, his Mexico, Las Vegas, I can't remember exactly where, he, he wasn't in town, I can't remember where mm-hmm. he was at. Mexico, I believe. Okay. And I'm like, well, okay. So me, Tina, and John Puente around the side of the house, or side of this apartment. And the apartment, the, the apartment that he's in is uh, boarded up. Like him, mean, he's got two by, or plywood over the windows, and we're sitting there and we're waiting. I'm like, well, he can't get out the back; not very easy. But let's let's stick to the let's stick to the plan. You know, uh, I say plan the the two minute phone conversation I had with him on the phone. Right when we start hearing a loud banging noise, and Tina looks at me, she's like, "What's that?" I'm like, "I don't know. I guess he's opening the door or something." I don't I don't know and I I like, "Go out there and look." and at which point she goes over there to the side to look and uh Tina I love you I just want you to know that but um when she comes around that corner she gets to uh she gets to, to screaming and this ain't let me see your hands type of screaming this is right. this is this is a horror movie scream right and that's not that's not what Tina does that's not that's not my Tina right and I don't know what's going on so I go over to, I, I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't really know. And I go around the corner, at which point um, I see Norm, right? He's been shot at this point. He's, he's shot, right? he right. been shot in the face. He's dead. There's no doubt in my mind to this day. I mean, that this is one of those bad things, right? Um, and at this point, I look down, I see that, and I look over, and I see Craig Redden shooting at the door, right? Now, science proves me wrong, right? I know this, and this is... This is where your brain fills in gaps, right? My brain, to this day, stack of Bibles, hand of God, however you want to put it, right, tells me that I saw Craig shooting three rounds into that door. Science tells me that he shot one round in that door and two rounds elsewhere, right? And that my, that's my brain putting it together, right? I know that, but you can't tell me different. Right? <laughs> I mean, you can't. I, I know what I I know. I say I know what I saw. I know what I think I saw. Anyway. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Norm's Norm's on the ground. Greg's shooting. I don't know what the hell's happened. I just know we're in a bad situation, right? So um, it's like, okay, I don't. I, we gotta get off the X, right? So we run up to get Norm, and I've got my my gun pointed at the front door, and I reach down to grab Norm. Now Norm is two eighty, three hundred pounds, six foot four, maybe. He's a big fella, mm-hmm. and I reach down and I grab him by the shirt collar, right, and you know in your mind adrenaline's gonna kick in you're gonna be fine right and then I literally pull and when I pull nothing happens right nothing absolutely nothing happens and I'm like well crap and then John comes up and we both try same thing right it ain't happening right We're, we we cannot budge him one handed like we are right just can't Um. at which point Craig Redden now comes up Craig holsters up I step in front Craig reaches down him and John get are able to pull Norm back and pull him out to uh, safety. I say safety, away from the front door, right? And we had parked so far away, they went ahead and took him all the way down to our squad cars, right? And this, we didn't have the, you know, we had no good plan, right? Well, we, we didn't we, we you can't plan for that well we did but you know joe we can't plan for what happened right but we we were operating kind of fast and loose right yes and the department yes department you know responded accordingly afterwards but uh we didn't have our radios on or we didn't have them on the right channel so i got on channel three because it's not too long after south central had been built and no one was thinking about south central this was this is southeast, and when they go where do you you know I'm trying to call for help, and I'm going Leadbetter and 45. I don't know 4950 Wadsworth. I'm just like Leadbetter and 45 apartment complex. All I know, and there's about thousand apartment complexes right there, right? Tina flips over to five. She's yelling on channel five. Mario Gomez, he he has enough fortitude to go. They were on channel seven. He gets on there and he had worked southeast. He knew that this was 4950 mm-hmm. Wadsworth. He got on there and got <clears> us got us the cover and DFD on their way. So we're still on the front door. Oh, I'm on the front door. Um, Tina's back there with Norm, and she's trying to help help him. Now, what do you do for someone shot in the face? I mean, you can't put a tourniquet on it. Right. There's nothing you can do. But she's trying. I mean, we've laughed about it, but she's like, "I'm I'm, I'm trying to hold the wound together. I don't. I just don't know what to do." Right. And we, I say we laugh about it. it's gallows humor. I mean, right. It's uh-huh. a very sad situation but she's trying to do that john's on the front door with me and we're yelling at these guys or i'm yelling at these guys to come out and we're yelling about everything you can think of to get them to come out we don't know who shot norm we have no idea well they start coming out now south central patrol started showing up and they're helping with perimeter or whatnot swats on their way but the bad guys start coming out first guy that comes out goes to mario i believe Second guy comes out, goes to Mario inside because we're on different ends. Third guy comes out, is the guy that we were there looking for, and he's coming to me, right? And he's walking to me. and I, He doesn't want to come. When I say walking, he's crawling, right? He's crawling. He doesn't want to come to me. I don't know if it's what I've said, if it's the look in my face. I don't know what he's thinking about, right? I, I know what I'm thinking about. Yeah. Right? And Norman's dropped his gun when he got hit. So his gun's laying on the ground there. And I remember seeing him crawling backwards. And then I see the gun. He doesn't know the guns there. I know the guns there. And I have a bad thought. End it now. Right? And God's looking out for me that day, because he goes, nope. And the guy starts crawling back toward me. Right? And we take him into custody and take him on down. Swat team gets there. And they're like, who y'all looking for? None of us, I, I don't know his name. That was the guy. Is he the one that shot Norm? I have no idea. What's he wanted for? Aggravated assault? I think he's come to find out he's the one for aggravated robbery out of Arlington. But I remember going aggravated assault, maybe. It was some other city. I don't know. What's his name? I have no idea. And that's when I say we didn't have a good plan. Yeah. Right? Who knows, Norm? I I don't know what else to tell you. How many people are in there? I have no idea. I, have no, I, I know nothing about this situation other than Norm said bad guy's here. We're going to get said bad guy. I was supposed to be home for dinner. You know? Um situation, you know, there was n- nobody else was in the apartment. But come to find out, the, the the first guy that came out was the one that actually shot Norm. Right? So glad. So glad nothing else happened. Right? Because if you I would have sworn it'd have been the guy we were looking for. Right? I, I mean, why would th- the first guy, the one that actually shot Norm? He didn't have a... He hadn't been arrested since he was 15. He was almost 30 years old, right? Now, he's in a dope trap. So, he's not living right by any means, right? right. But he's made it 15 years between arrest and Oak Cliff, right? So, he, he probably... He probably wasn't a doing horrible things for those 15 years. He probably was those last year or so, right? But he wasn't... He wasn't the guy I would have thought, right? You know, I mean, you're, you're thinking we're look, we're going after the hardened felon. This guy over here is robbing people. That's the guy. that, yeah. that that's the guy. At him. He, he's the one's got something to to gain off this, right? No idea. And uh, that, you know, that changed how the department did warrants. They, they put an official warrant school on, and um, I mean, people think the department messes up a lot, and they do at certain things. They got this one right, right? We needed, we needed a leash. Right. We did. We needed to think things through a little bit better. We truly did. I mean, we were, we, nothing we did that day got Norm killed. The guy that pulled the trigger got Norm killed, 100%. Right. But looking back on it, I go, you know, if I'd caught that guy in November, right, we, why couldn't I have been a little bit faster? Why didn't I have to smoke that last cigarette? Right. Yeah. And I know that's not my fault. Right. And then I go, well, you know, if I had just stayed home another week with on family medical leave, we wouldn't have been out there because the day he went around that, or I could just stood my ground. The day he went around the gang office, just go, no, Norm, I'm going home. <laughs> going home. Because if I hadn't stood up and said, <laughs> and started guilting people into helping, he was almost done. There was only two other people left, All right, and that's not enough people to go do anything. But I was, uh, you know, I was adamant we were going to go do this. If I had just changed my mind a little bit, or any course of action, Norm could have still been here today, and we wouldn't be talking, All right. Right? And I know in my heart that, look, stars lined up, bad things happened, right? But uh, survivor's guilt, right? Yeah, right. It's real. You know, that was years. I mean, years. (laughs) And I I mean, still to a point, I would say, right? But for the most part, I think I'm good now. But there was three or four years there, probably, where I'm like, you know, this was my fault. This was my fault. And 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 like I said, Joe, I I know that's not the case, right? Yeah. But... You can't help but do it when you when you think about it.
1: Well, life is—it's <clears throat> just such a sequence of events that intertwine, and they just—you can't plan for it. And fate kicked in, shitty fate kicked in, and like you said, the stars lined up, and that happened. Mm-hmm. I know that that changed everything uh, when it come to warrants and and how they were run, and um, what were some of the lasting effects of the gang unit? And for you personally?
0: No. Elastic effects of the gang unit. Um, well, you know, if, even if you go to their office now, they've moved offices, but if you go to their office now, there's norm everywhere. Yeah. Right? right. Which is good. They need to, there's still a few guys that were there back then, but the guys that are there now, they need to know hey, this happened. Yeah. Right? This happened. And it happened because we got complacent. Right. Um, the gang unit changed the next year. Maybe not the next year. We we it was just I can say business as usual, but because we, we did change our tactics. But it started changing. People started Some people left the gang unit, moved on. Um, it it wasn't the same. It just wasn't. We weren't as tight, right? It, the, you know, when when all this happened, I mean, the city came together. I mean, it was a huge thing when when Norm was killed, right? Yep. Um I'd seen. Unfortunately, we'd seen some officers pass in the line of duty. But until 7-7 seven, seven happened, I'd never seen anything like the, what happened when Norm happened, right? I mean, that I, I don't know why uh, I, he hit, had such an impact. Um, but it it definitely got us to thinking, right? And I, I remember when we got the warrant training and all this, right? The first warrant we're going to run afterwards, you know, I'm, uh, the, the sergeant is trying to come up with it. And I walked up to him and I was like, I don't care where you put anyone but you're putting me number one. And he's like, why? I'm like, just, I got to do this. Just put me number one. Just put me number one. I I, I don't care, (laughs) right? He's like, okay.
1: You had to prove to yourself, you think? (sighs) At that point? That
0: you were ready? Well, yeah, because you're scared. Right. Right. You're scared. I mean, look, last time you did this, something really bad happened, right? And last time something this happened, normally I would have been at the door. That would have been me at the door. And I might have done it different than Norm. In fact, I know I would have opened the door differently than him, but and maybe it would have worked out differently. I don't know. It could have. I mean, he could have shot me in the back of the head because I had a mule kicked it instead of trying to go through the front. Right. right? You know. Um, I don't really know. Right. But I needed to go. I needed to go number one, and we did that for a few warrants after that. Right. Where you know, I don't care what everything else happens, but you're this guy's going. I'm going through that door. Right. And then it. Then you're like, okay, you gotta let everybody else, everybody else get a chance, you know, we gotta rotate this thing. But it definitely changed the game, and it definitely changed my mentality on a lot of things. Alright, the job was still fun, but there was, before then it was all, it, it, everything was fun. It's always fun. You know, a couple bad days here and there, but it was always fun. Now the job was, it was fun, but we're gonna be, we're gonna have safe fun. Or try to have safer fun anyway, right?
1: Well, yeah, Norm was, <clears throat> he was so revered by the community, even by the uh, a lot of the a lot of the gang members out there, they respected the hell out of Norm. And I I remember after that happened going to drug houses at Southeast and they would talk about Norm in big Russian and and, and and talking about, you know, like saying, Hey, sorry for your loss. Mm-hmm. These are guys I'm arresting were telling me sorry for your loss and Norm. That's how he was looked at by not only the community but also just the the hooks out there. It was, it was it was fascinating. I it it was a it was a very crazy time for the department and especially for that unit because I wor- I worked a lot with the gang unit at the time and had relationships with a lot of you guys uh, that last to this day. Did you take anything from that incident that you told yourself that you would do different as a leader and as a supervisor if you were ever in that role?
0: Yep, not on my watch bad things are gonna happen bad things can't stop it right but it's not happening on my watch and I know that's that's being naive and being very general right I can't control that can't control the uncontrollable but if it's gonna happen on my watch then I'm a hundred percent to blame right so if I'm a hundred percent to blame it has to be my way so, you know, you said something, you know, you worked for me before. It's been kind of difficult. Um, no. <laughs> no, it was not. It was not difficult. But you can, people can say it's a control freak thing. I don't know. But if it's, especially as a first-line supervisor, it's for me to feel comfortable with whatever we're doing it has to be my way, 100%. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And if it's a safer way of doing it, feel free to tell me. But if it's we're going to start cutting corners or operating, you know, looser, I have to I have to be behind it and if I can't be behind it we ain't doing it. Period. And uh that that helped define. I'm not going to say it, that that one moment's not that didn't define my whole leadership style cuz I I had a whole army career before that that uh, one guy in particular that kind of showed me what I thought I needed to do. But when it came to the officer safety aspect of it, uh January 6, 2009, 100%. That gave you your why. Yeah, as a leader.
1: No, I I remember you pulling me to the side and back around back of a dope house and going to a dope house at South Central. Hey, come here. And I had only been there a week. Yeah. Um, I remember. No, yeah. <laughs> oh, I do too.
0: You're probably thinking, why did I come to you know, South Central?
1: Can I get back to Southeast? <laughs> no, I uh, I respect that. And, and I understand it. I re- understand that if – you didn't want, you don't want anybody under your wing or under your command or anybody to have happened to them what happened on in two thousand nine at Wadsworth. Absolutely. When did you decide to promote, move on up?
0: I was sitting in the gang office one day, and uh, Chief Cato would come down to the gang unit. Occasionally, he used to be the commander out there, and he would come down and when he needed to get away from the. You know, the, the other stars or come out of the clouds for a little bit. He'd come down the gang office and decompress, right? I had literally just gotten into a fight with one of the detectives. And I say a fight, an argument with one of the detectives that day. And I had written, You? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It's weird. Go, go, go figure. Um, and I'd made a list of rules. And I say, and, and, and they were very tongue in cheek, right? And I stuck them on my desk. It's like if you're a detective, do not you know talk to me unless one you're willing to go to jail with me. Two, don't ever ask me to find someone dirty. You'll be lucky if we find them. And it just kind of went on and on and on and on and on, right? And because uh, I, you know, I got pissed off, right? Anyway, I see Cato in the office, and I usually when I, if he was there, unless he was talking to the guys, I didn't mess with him because it's usually him his Zen moment, you know. And yeah, he's, he's walking around. He gets over to my desk and he starts reading the rules, and he, he starts laughing he's like, you taking that test? And I'm like, I don't know, chief. I, I got a good gig. I got to take on car. i in the gang unit. And I get to run around do, you know, cop work with my friends. We go after bad people. He's like, do you ever bitch about the department? I'm like, well, yeah, every day. Every single day. <laughs> and he's like, well, you got, you got a chance to sit at the table and you're not taking it? Then you a fool and don't ever complain again. And then he walked away. And yeah, I don't know if you knew Charlie Cato or not. I think you did, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um. He didn't just walk away. Usually, I mean, usually you know you sit there and he he just talk. He said that and walked away, and I'm like, I mean, it's like a mic, mic drop moment for me. Yeah, he had a point to prove. Yeah, and I'm like, hmm, yeah, well, yeah, he's got a point, point. and uh, that made me to say that made me take the Sarn's test. I'm like, yeah, why not? He's right. You know, I, I can tell you all the, all the ways in the world to fix this department, but you know, I can't I can't do that from the, as a corporal in the gang unit.
1: Yeah, if you're you're down there at the bottom looking up, bitching and moaning, you're you're just down there with a bunch of other. People doing the same exactly. You have to move up if you want to have change, and you want to enact change yourself, right? Correct. Um, you do have a unique leadership style. It it's hard that and I'm guessing that came from January 6, thousand
0: nine, and your military background. There was a guy I was in the military with. name was a, he was our first sergeant. His name was uh, James Tedioski, and he was intense. All right, just intense. And he would, I don't care what the job was. I don't care what the target was. It was getting done. It was going to get done, period, right? And, I mean, you. you, there was days I hated the guy, just hated him, right? And there are other days, like, I can't believe we actually just did this, right? We literally moved a trailer, and I say a trailer, a house trailer with about 100 guys. We picked it up, right? Picked it up and moved it probably 40 feet, right? Because he's like, "Eh, we can do this," and he figured out how we were going to do it, and we uh, literally picked it up with our hands. I mean, it was—I mean, you, you just never think something like that. I mean, have you ever seen somebody picking up a mobile home and walking down the street with it? Because that's what we yeah, did
1: in a Marvel movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And that's exactly what we did, and we did it because he said we could, right? <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, that's okay. I want the, I want to be that guy, right?" And then January 6th kind of told me um, why I need to be that guy, right? So, am I hard-nosed? Absolutely. I I like things my way. I, and there's a, you know, can i can explain that. That's a reason for that. And I like targets, I guess, right? Let's, can, what can, what? I'm not that guy that's going to say, I'm all go, no quit. Oh, no, no, no. I'll quit something in a heartbeat if I think it can't be done or if I think it's stupid, right? Or go at it a different way. Yeah. But if you tell me I can't do it and I know I can, well, you just... You you just woke up something you didn't want to wake up because it's going to get done. Tell me to paint this office here with a toothbrush, and you can't do that. Well, see you in about a week because so it's going to get done, right? And that's kind of my motivation. So, um, you know, every unit I've had is always like, how do how do we make this place better? How do we get how do we get to, from point A to point B the best way? And how do we have a decent time doing it? I can always say it's a fun time because it's not always fun, right? But there's this—you know—this job's here for a reason. We're all—we're all here to, you know, we all say we're here to help people, and that we are, we truly are. But we're all—we were also here because, you know, we probably didn't want an office job, and we wanted to, you know, be a cop. So let's go be cops. Let's go do that, and uh, we're going to help some people along the way. and We're going to get some, you know, bad guys off the street, and you know whatever the situation is, but let's do it. Let's not just talk about it. So I, I'm, I'm kind of, let's do it. You know, I guess that's the, the end of the day. That's what it is. Let's 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 just get it done. Whatever it is, let's just do it.
1: You, you left the streets. You know, you, I worked for you on uh, South Central CRT mm-hmm. and you left and you went up to uh, personnel and we, and you and I both saw a lot of writing on the wall at the time. I remember us talking about it out there at cigarette heights at this, at this dope house. And um, both of us started Reflecting and, and talking about things, and you go out to the person, you go out to personnel, and after you know Ju- July seventh happened, and then you know, and especially nowadays, as hard as it is to to recruit uh people to want to become cops, what was your recipe for going out there and you put over eighty recruits one in one class? Is that right? Correct. What approach did you take?
0: Well, when I left South Central I went to the academy first. Mm-hmm. right? So I and I worked the in-service for a little bit and then I went to basic. Well, I was doing it in reverse cuz I was I did the FTO program. That was my job. And then I went to there to be the basic sergeant, which was the best job I've ever had, period. I wish if I had never promoted, I, I, I don't think I could have made it 20 years out there, but I would love to have, have five, right? I think we could have just rocked and rolled, right? And then I went to personnel, right? So you got to see how to kick somebody out of the process or how to fire them the entire I mean, FTO program, basic Academy and recruiting, right? So who do you need as a cop, right? Do I need, I don't need somebody coming in. I don't need an all American football player coming in. I'll take them, right? We'll take it all day. I'm more than give me a soccer mom. that's never done anything in her life. And if she's willing to learn and she's willing to be trained, we'll make her a cop. All right. And, uh, that was my philosophy in recruiting, right? I don't I don't need you coming in with a skill set. I need you coming in willing to learn a skill set. And if you're willing to, if you, it doesn't matter what you did prior to that, right? You sacked groceries, great. You were a cop in another agency, great. Are you willing to learn what we're going to teach you? And if you are, we'll get you there, right? If you are, right? I'm all about second chances when it came to that, right? You, you made a mistake when you were 20 years old. You're now 26 years old and it's not, it wasn't a, you know, an absolute disqualifier. Give them a chance. Let's see how they do. I mean, everybody. We were all kids once. And uh, as far as that eighty-something um, person class, we could have put a hundred in that class, right? And I got told, "Stop. This, this is insane." Right?
1: Sardines in there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we went to the academy because a lot of people don't know this, but we went to the academy, and was like, "Look, we we've got. I got all the people in the world that you want. How do you want to do this?" We can start two classes on the same day. We can do a class two weeks apart. But we've been told to hire, and we have brought them in. What do you want to do? And they chose to do it on the same class. Because I got a lot of flack for that. It's too many people in a class. It's too many people in a class. You know this. You were out here.
2: Yeah. I
0: I don't know if I would depict it that way, but they they made it work. I got to give them that. They made it work, right? And uh, we just... We were just rocking and rolling, like we could have put a hundred. And I, I, you know, in my mind, I right, told you I'm kind of goal driven. Yeah. Right. I'm not telling. I wasn't telling people this at the time. I'm like, I want to put a hundred people in this class. Just to say you did it. Just to say we did yeah. it. Right. Let's get a hundred people. Right. <laughs>
1: Have in that had been nut to butt net class sitting there working,
0: you know, and you're going to lose twenty percent of a class either way. So yeah. at the end of the day, you know, we had graduated eighty, right?
1: Out of curiosity, how many how many graduated from that class? I, it was in the, it was in
0: the sixties. I don't remember Red, what the number that's it was. Damn good, right? And I don't know how many are left at this point, right? But uh, you know, we right before that we had done a class of sixty something, which is the second largest one, and then we turned around and did the eighty. I think it was eighty three in that class, right, which was the largest at the point, and we we. Until we get a different facility, we shouldn't do it again, right? Not right. not in one class, right? We we start two classes on the same day. That'd be great, right? We do fifty in each class. That wouldn't be a problem. But we did this after July seventh, when the um a lot of the narrative out there was, you know, people didn't want to be cops, right? But the recruiters went to work. They did a good job. We got them through background. If the, you know, we 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 kept deadlines. We didn't let people languish just waiting for a response. You know, if you applied, you're going to get an answer. And I kind of Kind of going back to my time, I you know I applied forty six different places, and a lot of times it just set. I never heard anything of course. back, right? And it's like no, we're gonna they get an answer one way or the other. They're gonna get an answer, yes, no, maybe, whatever. So, so
1: they can move on with their life, and you can move it on with trying yep. to find more people yep. back in there. Absolutely. I want to talk about the honor guard. Okay,
0: you ran it uh, from for how how long? Did you run that? Uh, Two thousand and thirteen or fourteen until earlier this year. Damn. And I was in it from 08 until then, but I didn't become a supervisor until then.
1: Why is it important to you to, to run that, run the honor guard and, and, and to honor the fallen? Because I've watched you guys work, and it's, it's so impressive, and it's heartbreaking, but it is, it, in, in my opinion, it is one of the most prestigious positions on the department is to honor our fallen and
0: respect them. So I went to a funeral, Hank Nava, out of Fort Worth. It Was probably oh five oh six, and I remember watching. They had some honor guard out there, and I was watching. And I'm like, "That looks pretty sharp." And uh, realizing that our SWAT team did the, did our honor guard here, right? And at this point, I've been on long enough to know that the SWAT that wasn't a duty that a lot of the SWAT guys were really wanted to do. There were some that did, but most of them that wasn't you know they didn't want to do it, right? Well, Sergeant Joe Denemy, he was in SWAT equipment side at the time, I believe. And he had been pushing for years to do it, and he got the honor guard started in 08, right? And they put the applications out, and I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll give it a shot, right? And we started, and uh, Denemy was a sergeant in charge of it. Uh, Paul Stokes was a lieutenant in, in charge of it. And, uh, you know, people, whatever they thought about Lieutenant Stokes or Chief Stokes or you know whatnot, he was the right person for the right at that right time, right? If you're starting a new unit that needs equipment and needs training and needs this, and everybody's involved, he was the perfect person for to be in because he got it done. Yeah. 100% got it done, right? And uh, we, we started doing it, and within, I think it was probably my first year, I did some retiree's funeral, and he was 80-something years old. And he's getting buried in the Dallas police uniform. 80-something years. He hadn't been on the department in probably 30 years. But he's getting buried in a Dallas police uniform because that's what defined, in his mind, what defined him. Mechanics don't do that. You don't see a mechanic getting, you know, their greasy coveralls and getting buried in that. Doctors don't get buried in their scrubs. No. Right? But here's a cop 30 years after the fact. Hadn't arrested nobody probably in 30-something years getting buried in his Dallas police uniform because he was a cop. And the family don't know us, but they know that patch. They know that badge. And they know that we didn't forget... And I say, you know, because we say never forgotten. Well, I didn't even know you. But it's not that we're we did not have to know you. We knew who you were. We knew what you're we knew what you were about, right? No one's ever met, you know, there's people in this department that's never met me or you, right? But they know 100 percent what we're about because we're cops. And you're like, this guy, you know, gave 30, 40 years, however many years he gave to the department, right? And he died. 30 years later, he's still a cop in his mind. He's probably still telling cop stories. Yeah. Right? And his family's probably so sick of cop stories, but they also know this is the Dallas Police Department. They had to find him. Yeah, and I'm like, this is why we do it, 100. percent Why we do it, right? It's for the families. It's not for anyone else. It's not for the officer that's in the in the coffin. It's not. He's gone. It's for that family that's sitting there watching. And uh, honestly, it doesn't matter. You know, it can be a long day. Whatever they want, whatever they want, they lost somebody. A life. You know, they gave them a lifetime. We can give them. Two hours, three hours. He wants to stand, fold a flag. Absolutely, any time of the day. So, well, July
1: seventh, twenty sixteen. I, I was actually working for you, and you were over the honor guard at that time, right? Correct. And we had to, you had to run all those funerals and all the ceremonies. How challenging was that? I know how how challenging. I, I was with with you and and talked to you quite a bit.
0: So Sunday through that Saturday, it started for me Sunday um, when we got to a point where we could start actually doing some plans. Um, I think I got about 16-hour days for that full week. And you're sitting around going, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how. I've got, I mean, a line of duty funeral for one officer is all hands on deck, pull out all the stops and make this happen and this is a national event we have officers coming from across the world um and it, this is going to be huge and we know this and we have to do it right we have to and we any if we we can't screw up any of it i can't screw up you know michael kroll's funeral right i can't i just in anything i do for one of them if the family wants it we're going to do it for the other one all right so, you know, whatever they want, right? Blank check when it came to the honor guard. Whatever y'all want, this is what we're doing. All right, so we did 13 events in five days. I still remember that, and I say 30. That doesn't seem like a lot, except when you're talking about a line of duty funeral, because that is all day. And it was July, and those uniforms have are made out of wool and i'm looking at my people and i mean i'm forcing them i'm forcing water and Gatorade like you know I'm doing the whole and i know you weren't in the army with it but in the army was drinking water was a thing like drink water you know you're just pushing it as hard as you can cuz you know we're going to fall out we're going to be standing out there at some cemetery for hours right sweating can't move and uh we did that in a week not one honor guard officer fell out and we're out at the national cemetery when we do uh, zammiriffus funeral and i can i'm watching the crowd and everyone in the crowd's dropping like flies. They're dropping just left and right. It's heat. It's the heat, right? This is the last event. Everybody's dehydrated. And the Honor Guard never complained. Not once did anyone complain that whole week. And the Honor Guard, I mean, before that, I mean, you get us all together, we're going to complain. You know, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. That week, nobody complained once. And I, I mean, I say that, I'm, that's, not a, that's not a joke, it's not an exaggeration not one person told me i can't do this or hey it's hot not one time did anybody say a word they did what their job was that at that event right for those that week and uh for myself personally i you know it was work time you know i knew two of the officers mm-hmm. um it was, but it's work time time to go to work right and that right after zimmer's funeral he was the last one i came back to the South Central. I went back there into the equipment room and i lost it for about five minutes right just lost it because yeah I t- you know you'd heard amazing grace you'd heard the taps you'd heard the 21 gun right And it's like okay i'm done working <laughs> i'm just done <laughs> you know and then you went home and you're like hopefully we never have to do that again because yeah it was just an emotional 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 week
1: well it was a roller coaster that it it took forever to come down Oh, yeah. You're continually going up, and then once you crash, it came down. Yeah, um, and at that time, it just seemed like that a, it, law enforcement was under attack across the country. Because not you know not long after that, the Baton Rouge uh, yeah. incident uh, came up. How hard was it to, to step down I, and from running the honor Guard? You had done such
0: an amazing job with it. Um, I had left pre 2016 for two week or I say two months and I was like I'm done I'm done and then 20 then seven seven happened and you're like well okay and I got brought in and since I had done it the longest I I, I just took it over again and then um, I had another little couple where I was trying to walk away from it and situations dictated that I had to take it over again and I, I somebody else needs a turn I had taken that unit in my mind as far as I could, I was out of ideas. And it's like when I took it over from Denemy. Dynamy had his ideas on what he wanted to do. And he had taken it for five years to that point, right? And he was comfortable. And so when I took it, I had done a lot of new things with it, right? And now I am i was in the point where I was comfortable, right? And you can't do that. You can't homestead in that type of position. Let Bring somebody else in. They got different ideas, and they're going to do it better than you. And, you know, hopefully I gave them a foundation that they can go do it better. Because I'd love for them, you know, to be the premier honor guard of the country. I mean, we already currently are of DFW, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, I mean, Arlington, you might not agree, but that's, they're, they're the, they are the—they were the premier one for a long time, yeah. right? But um, we're the biggest, we're the best. Just, so it, was it a hard step away? No, no. I, I, You know, I find myself watching them at events. And in my mind, I'm criticizing them. Right? like, why are they doing this? Why are they yeah. doing that? But you know what? I ain't doing it. So shut up, Foy. Doesn't matter what you think. It's somebody else's show. It, it is. It's hundred percent. And the only reason I know, and anything I notice, it's it's probably because I did it for so long. I'm like, well, they shouldn't have done that, you know. And it's like, get get off your almighty horse here, buddy. It's not. They're doing a great job. And shut up. You know right. and, that, and that's what I have to tell myself. How many members are on the honor now? Now it's probably around forty. Wow. What Would it start with? uh 25 i think okay yeah, but we've had so much change over over the years yeah it's a shelf life you shouldn't do it forever because it's volunteer like this is not a full-time job this is an addition to right and it can be feast or famine you might not be doing anything for months and the next thing you know you're doing you no know, 13 events in five days so
1: no i know and in 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 2016 hell you were my boss on crt and you had to you had to set aside bitching about me and, and and riding me to going into
0: that role. Well, I mean, are you serious or are you joking? Which but, one are you? Are
1: you? <laughs> um. <laughs>
0: anyway, moving forward. All right.
1: You just got uh, you just got promoted to deputy chief. And from when I first met you in the gang unit, and I would have never thought you would have a damn star on your collar. Me neither. Uh <laughs> What do you want? How do you want to make your mark now at this position? I know you, you just got it, but
0: what are your initial thoughts? What do you want to do? First, um, if I can make chief on this police department. That should be an inspiration to everyone, right? Like, hey, just try real hard. They'll promote you at some point, right? You don't have to have very, you don't have to be very smart. Just right? drew name out of a hat. They might have, <laughs> they might have, <laughs> and that's fine, right? But you know, it's true. You can be anything you want when you grow up, right? Um, what do I want to leave? I want to move the department forward, and there's going to be people who aren't going to agree with you know probably the direction that I want to move certain aspects, right? That's fine. But uh when it's all said and done, I want them I want to do more good than bad, right? Um and he goes, "All right. Well, he yeah, he's hard to get along with her. He's hard to work for. He's you know, he's a hard taskmaster, you know, he's a dick. Whatever. But you know what? It's better than what it was, and that's cuz of him, right? That's that's the legacy I'd like to leave. Now, whether I do or not, I mean, time will tell, right? I mean, that's just the way it is. Um but i'm excited i mean we got Eddie garcia is a good police chief i mean a great police chief right i mean we've got we've got a, we got a cop as a police chief for a change and nothing against the other chiefs that we've had i'm sure you know from what i knew of them they were probably fine people but we got a cop we got a cop we need to ride this wave for as long as we can let's get let's let's get some cop stuff done and see what happens you know because i think that's what our city deserves right we need we need cops doing cop things which is community policing which is arresting the right people i mean it is so let's go do that right because i mean this job is fun and i i I don't it might not be fun for me or you like it was back in 2000 but i bet these rookies right now are still having a great time they're they're probably saying the same things we were saying when we were out there running running around no cliff or south dallas going this is great they're probably thinking the same thing right or saying the same thing to each other you know they're probably still going to adairs and talking about some badass PIRs they made right you know like yeah oh yeah that was great buddy you know you you, you found a drunk great um (laughs) but they're they're going to talk to each other about that kind of stuff right and i think they're probably having a good time too just like we were and just like they will 20 years from now
1: well chief i think that's a perfect way to wrap it up um i want to thank you for your service for your friendship and I can't tell you how proud I am for you to finally get that damn nice shiny star on your collar. I appreciate it, yeah I, I still think it was like Chief Garcia did it like with a scratch off like a lottery ticket and, and Foy's name happened to pop up but hey I'm proud of you and I look forward to seeing the legacy you're
0: going to leave behind for DPD. I appreciate it Joe thanks for having me.
2: sister, I'll never give up on you Hey mrs. a hey, mister, I'll see this all the way through No matter how far the sun and the moon I'll never give up on you And you're lonely I'll pull you up Life leaves you heavy when the going gets tough I'll be your shoulder, together we'll run Up from the bottom, yeah, we'll rise above Hey brother, hey sister, I'll never give up on you A mister, I'll see this all the way through. No matter how far the sun and up on you hey missus hey mister i'll see this all the way through no matter how far for the gold and the blue i'll never give up on. Me.